0: This morning, I'm going to preach on purpose in anxiety. Uh, this is my sermon title this morning. And to set the stage for you guys, I just want to take you... Everyone close your eyes. I want to take you to somewhere magical. Uh, this is this past summer. Imagine beautiful white beaches. Imagine palm trees, warm water. You're in the Caribbean. It's beautiful, right? Okay, you can open your eyes. Uh, I'm. This past summer, I'm in the Caribbean on my uh, hun- just kind of my honeymoon-ish thing. There's a long story behind that, uh, but I'm in the Caribbean and it's beautiful. There's these great beaches. It's so peaceful. It's so nice. I'm with my beautiful wife, and we decide, hey, let's go, uh, let's go see a movie. And right now, uh, Top Gun Maverick is out. Right? Whoa! Who's seen Top Gun Maverick? Yeah. Isn't it so good? I mean, what a great movie. Anyway, so we go to see this movie in one of the uh, movie theaters in we're in Saint Martin, and we go, to, we go to see it in the Saint Martin movie theater. It's a cool movie theater, and we we sit down, and I'm sitting there. I'm I'm all excited. I got my popcorn, right? And the opening scene happens. It's just like you know, it opens with this cool action scene, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, ooh, like they gotta get some more airflow in this movie theater. It's like kind of stuffy in here. And I'm like, and I'm like man, this foreign food is just kind of making my stomach feel a little queasy. What the heck is going on here? And then I'm realizing, oh my gosh, the seat I'm sitting in is, is so narrow and everyone's so close. And, and whew, is there air in here? I'm like, I'm like sitting in this movie theater and I'm like, I'm breathing air. I'm like, I think I'm breathing air. but I think I'm also dying at the same time. And I'm like, I'm having this moment where I'm like, I can't breathe? And I'm in this movie theater, but I don't know what's happening. And, and so I do what anyone does, right? I just white knuckle through it. I'm like, oh, I will handle through this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't die right now, because then they're going to, I don't know, the, movie, the movie's going to be over, my wife's going to look over, and I'm just going to be dead, um, which would be really sad. Uh, but anyway, I have this weird moment. And, and after 20 minutes, it, like, goes away. And I'm like, ooh, that was weird, okay. Um, great, let's continue on with the movie. And that wasn't like the first time that's happened to me, but that was actually like, one of the more intense times that's happened. And so and I don't really know what's going on. So afterwards, I'm, I'm on the phone with my mom like a few days later. I'm like, oh, mom, this weird thing happened. Like I had this experience in the movies. I think I might be sick. Like I think that I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm eating the wrong foods or something or I, I think there's something, I don't know, I have something wrong with me. Maybe I, maybe I got to go to the doctors and get checked up. And so, you know, of course, classic moms, she goes and researches everything. Oh, my gosh, my, my sweet son, what's happening to him, you know? And so, she's going and doing all this, her own research, and she sends me uh, all these links. And every single symptom that I have is a symptom of an anxiety attack. And I'm like, what? Uh, anyone ever have an anxiety attack before? Come on, where are all my anxious people at? Come on, yeah, I see you guys. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> Because I'm so confused, because I've never had this happen to me before. And I'm like, why would I have an anxiety attack in the middle of a movie with my sweet wife next to me? I've seen movies before. Like, I've, I've seen more action than that. You know, like, that was not that scary. And I had great po- I mean, like, why did that happen to me? And I'm, I'm so confused on what's going on with me. And, and this has been happening a bit in my life. and. You know, as I started journeying into like, what is happening here, uh, I start asking, my, I've been asking myself this question for the past few months. The question is, is it a fruit or is it a root? And I know that's so silly pastoral, you know, but I talk pastoral to myself sometimes. Is it a fruit or is it a root? Meaning, is this anxiety attack the fruit of the problem or is it the root of the problem? Or for you medical people, my, one of the young men I disciple, he calls it kinetic chaining. And so sometimes he says you have pain in your knee, but it's really not your knee. It's actually tightness in your back, right? And so a lot of us this morning are dealing with anxiety. And I want to talk about where's that coming from and how do we uh, resolve that and, and figure that out with the Lord. And so I'm, I'm internally envious, guys, of you all, uh, because I, I don't know, I feel like if you're a preacher, the Lord. It has a special like boxing ring that he likes to put you in and l- likes to let, let the topic that you're gonna preach on just duke it out of you, you know? Like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, like, I send up a prayer. I'm like, hey, God, what should I pray about? And then that goes to the prayer notification center where they like translate it in heaven from English to a heavenly language. And By the time it reaches God, it says, instead of saying, what should I preach about? It says, please send me some terrible thing in my life so that I have something to talk about. And so, that's where we're going this morning. Um, I don't know. So, we're talking about purpose and anxiety. And so, uh, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. And to paraphrase this scripture that we're going to be reading, this is where, a lot of you have heard about this, this is where Moses or God talks to Moses in the burning bush. And so to paraphrase what happened, Moses uh, grew up in Egypt. He's a Jew uh, and was an Israelite. And he um, witnesses some Egyptians beating up on some Jews. And so he goes and kills the Egyptian. And then Pharaoh finds out. And so Moses runs away to a land called Midian, which means judgment. And Moses lives there for like 40 years, just kicking dirt clods around, judging himself for all the poor decisions he's made in his life. And God meets him there in Midian uh, because God knows that your judgment of yourself is nothing compared to his plan and purpose for your life. And so we are right here in Midian where God is meeting Moses in verse 7. And so the burning bush happens and Moses walks up to it. And so this is what the Lord says, verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Parasites, uh, Hivites and Jezebites. Uh, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, this is our first glimpse that we get into Moses' anxious heart uh, because God has presented this big task to Moses. And and yeah, it's actually a very understandably terrifying task, right? Uh, But Moses... uh, has this anxiety that bubbles up out of him. And he's, he actually, through the scripture, he makes five anxious statements to the Lord uh, in this dialogue with him. And we're going to talk about all five of those statements. But his first one is this. It's, who am I that I should do this, right? He says, who am I? And so Moses is asking, really, deep down, he goes, who, who am I? And so, oh man, it must have been three years ago now. Uh, before before I, was, I was a Young Adults Pastor here at All Peoples, I was on college staff. So I was helping out with the college ministry with Jason. And <clears throat> I get called into this meeting or to, to lunch by Robert, Jason, and Kendall. Now, pro tip to all you guys. If Robert, Jason, and Kendall, those three big dogs, if they ever ask you to lunch, if you value your life, run away. Like, I'm talking sell your house, change your identity, post up in Panama for, like, 10 years. Because these guys, all they do is mess with my life, right? And so, I mean, stepping in the ring with these guys is like stepping in the ring with John Wick after his dog died or something, you know? Like, they're crazy. Um, so, anyway, they, they invite me to lunch. And, of course, I'm anxi- anxious. And, what do you, of course, what do you think I'm thinking? I'm like, I'm about to get fired. Like... That's gonna happen. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna fire me. And so I'm at lunch with these guys, and they're like, Hudson, you're probably wondering why we asked you to lunch. And I'm like, thinking, How do you tell someone that you got fired from a church? <laughs> like, how do I explain that to people? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't know what. And they look at me and they're like, Hudson, we want you to be the new young adults pastor. And my, I mean, like, my eyes just got, I mean, I nearly gave birth. Like, it was a mixture of sheer terror, right, hysteria, and, like, complete disbelief. Because I'm like, I can't be the young adult's pastor. I am a young adult. Like, at, at the time, I was, like, I was 25. So I'm, like, I'm smack dab in the middle of the people you want me to pastor. Like, there's no way that I can be the young adult's pastor. You know, ask someone older. Ask someone else. Like, like, you got plenty of great people in the, in the church. Why do you got to do this to me? Um, I mean, as long as we're handing out jobs that I'm not qualified for, it might as well make me the worship pastor as well. Like, <laughs> holy smokes, guys. And, and so they're like, no, 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 you're going to do great. We we think we believe in you. And, you know, they all the nice things. Um, we believe in you. You're going to do great. It's just, yeah. Like, this is going to be great for you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know what? Well, let me pray about it. Let me ask the Lord, right? And so I lose my entire appetite. You guys wasted a whole meal on me. I'm sorry. Um, I couldn't eat a thing. And I go, I'm just like, Lord, what do I do? Uh, God, do I do this? Like, and I'm really asking God that question that Moses is asking, right? I'm saying, who am I to, to be a young adults pastor? Who, who am I to do this? And, you know, when you, I don't know, ask a friend or, or maybe your, your father or your, parent, your mother, you say, who am I to do this? You know, the kind of expected response is, oh, you're, you're totally qualified, right? You can do this. You're prepared for this. Like, it's going to be great. Like, that's the expected response from a friend uh, or, or a family member. But from God, the response was not that. God said, When I'm like, Who am I? He goes, well, It doesn't matter who you think you are. He goes, It matters who, who I am. And I'm like, Oh, zing, you know? Like, okay, God. Uh, and that's exactly, actually, what he says to Moses, right? He says, it doesn't matter who you are. He says, I'm enough. See, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Verse 12, he says, I will be with you. That's what God says. I will be with you. You notice he doesn't even address Moses' question. Like, he doesn't say, oh, Moses, you underestimate yourself. You're going to do great, you know? He goes, no, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to be there, right? He does not say, you got this. He says, I got this. He says, it's not about you. It's about me. And I think that's where a lot of us, when we deal with anxiety, where we need to start because we're, we're anxious because we're thinking about us. We're thinking about me, my strength, my abilities, my capabilities, my capacity. And God is saying, it has nothing to do with you. I mean, God's literally saying, if I want something done right, I'm gonna do it myself. And all you have to do is be there and worship when we're done. Because that's literally what he says in the next, a little bit on verse 12. He says, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. He's saying, I got this. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. I got this and all, your only contribution is worship. And I love this. It says this, notice how, it says when. So notice how God says when. He says, when you have brought the people out of Egypt. So God's not saying if we're victorious, he says when we are victorious. And I feel like a lot of you have been living in the land of if, like you've built your, ha- your homes in the land of if, you know, if I can just get enough money, then I'll be okay. Or if I can pass this test, then I'll be okay. Or if, if I can find the right doctor, then I'll, I'll have healing. And, and I feel like there's a ruler and a tyrant of the land of if, and his name is Anxiousness, right? And Anxiousness wants to feed you if for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He wants to keep you all. Up, he wants to keep you up all night struggling with your if, right? But if you're so consumed in your mind with if, then you'll have no room for peace. And our God is not an if God. Our God is a when God, right? Our God says, with with me around, it's not an if. It's a when. It's a when. God says, I will be with you. And when you get that job, and when you get that healing, when you get that breakthrough, your only contribution to me is worship on the mountain. And so I'm struggling with this, if I can be a young adults pastor, if I can build a culture of righteousness, if we can disciple our young adults. And God says, dude, get you and your if out of my way cause, and make room for me and my way. And And ever since... I had that humbling experience. I said, All right, God, like, you do it. I'm, I'll be your surrogate, you know. You do it. I've been seeing his wins play out in our young adults ministry in every corner. I mean, God said, when you build a thriving young adult service, you're going to worship me on the mountain. And we've done that, right? And God said, when you take your very first young adults m- mission trip, we're going to you're going to worship me on the mountain. We did that. Like, literally, we worshiped him on a mountain in Oaxaca. It was amazing. Uh, and he says, when you take your, do your first young adult's retreat, and this is the first time this has ever happened, and God has made these promises to us, and he says, when it happens, not if it happens, when. And then it's happened, and we are worshiping God on that mountain. And honestly, I'm not even saying if anymore about this thing. I'm just saying, right, when. Like, when we disciple of the military, then we're going to worship you. You know, like when we get that and when we start discipling our companies and our businesses, uh, we're going to worship you, God. And, and God has transformed my if into a when uh, just by observing his goodness. Um, and so if you're dealing with, a, with ifs this morning, big ifs, and it's causing a lot of anxiety because ifs cause so much anxiety, uh, you got to release your grip on that because God says it's not about you. It really isn't. It's nothing in your strength. It's about me. And it's not about if, but it's about when, when I'm involved. And so we continue on to verse 13, where Moses said to God, he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And so Moses' second anxious question is this, he goes, well, who are you then? Like, who am I? Then? He first says, who am I? And then he says, who are you? And that's the question we all ask God. We go, okay, God, who, really, who are you? And that's actually the, the whole narrative of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation is God trying to explain to us who he is, the glory of who he is, the love of who he is. And God has so much to say on this topic, but he just slams Moses right here. He says in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am sent me to you and god is saying i am the almighty right i when he says i am he he means i'm the alpha and the omega i've been there before and i will be there after right i am eternal i am he's basically saying i am everything and verse 15 god also said to moses say to the israelites the lord the god of your fathers the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever the name you shall call me from generation to generation god says I mean, God's saying right there, he says, I'm forever. Like, I've been around way before your problem, way before your if, and I'm going to be around long after our victory, right? He's saying, I'm forever. And then he says, in verse 16, he says, Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, Jezebites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And this is God saying, I've seen your problems. I see you. I've seen your pain. I've seen, I've seen you weeping at night. Like, I know you. I've seen you. So I am the Almighty. I'm forever, and I see you. Verse 18, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you, will, then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Verse 21. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward his people, toward this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Isn't that insane? I mean, God's, this last bit, God's saying, I am favored. He says, I will make the Egyptians favorably favorably disposed towards you, right? And so God's saying, because of who I am, you're going to be irrationally, victorious irrationally victorious i mean he's saying all you have to do is ask and you're going to plunder your enemy you're going to get silver and gold for yourself and for your children and your children's children and god is saying i mean how cra- i mean is that just crazy i mean there's there's crazy inheritance in there and your enemy your trial your if God's saying, that's gonna be the inheritance for your children. I mean, that thing that you've been going through, that job that's killing you, that health crisis, uh, that family issue, God's saying, there's inheritance in there for you. I remember I was in high school and it was, I was in high school and my best friend at the time, he had moved away uh, to play baseball and I was alone. I didn't really have any, any good Christian friends at the time. So it was a really hard time for me. And I remember vividly that I prayed, Lord, send me another best friend uh, to be like a strong Christian best friend. Lord, send me another best friend. I remember that prayer vividly. Um, and actually, it's, it's funny. I just got back from Yosemite uh, with that same best friend from high school. Uh, his name is Ridge, and you've probably seen him up here playing worship for you guys, right? And it's just so beautiful that Out of that struggle came such an inheritance. And actually, it's crazy, as I was even thinking about this, that best friend who went off to play baseball, uh, him and Ridge, they moved in with me in San Diego here. And in our backyard, we baptized our third best friend, Owen, in our backyard, who led worship this morning as well. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so much inheritance for us out of our struggle. And that was years ago, guys. I was in high school. I made that prayer. And there's so much inheritance still being given to us. And still, for my children and my children's children, that'll be inheritance. And so, that is who God is. That's who God says he is. He says, I'm the provider, right? He says, I'm the one who takes beauty and turns, or ashes and turns it into beauty. I'm the one who takes your, your difficult and hard situation, the thing that was meant for evil, and I make it something that's meant for good. He says, I am. And I'll be honest, guys, I have no idea, actually, how God is going to pull your inheritance from your adversity. I know there's all sorts of different things in this room. And that's just the thing. I mean, this is where it turns from a fear message into a faith message, is the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years under harsh abusers. They were broken and beaten. Not a single one of them ever imagined that God would use their abusers to give them gold and silver for their children. I mean, that is crazy, irrational, and unreasonable favor. And that's who God is saying that He is. When Moses says, Who are you? God says, I'm crazy, irrational, and unreasonable favor for you. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know that it's not an if, it's a when for you guys. And so Moses continues on and he says, he, Moses answered and says, What if? They do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you." And so basically, Moses' question, his third anxious question is this. He goes, well, what if it doesn't work, right? What if it doesn't work? And oh, my gosh, if I had a dollar for every time I asked God that question, I wouldn't need this highly lucrative job, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) I ask God that a lot. Oh, my gosh, God, what if it doesn't work, right? Oh, my goodness. and that's, that's a heart of an anxious, that's, the, that's an anxious heart. Oh my gosh, what if this doesn't work? And I remember when I started as a young adults pastor, uh, there, that was a big question in my heart. What if this doesn't work? What if we can't do it? Like, what if I can't do it? And I remember there was this one young adult service last year. Uh, and the day of the service, I mean, like hours before the service, my entire worship team got COVID. And they're like, we can't come. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh, because I had also f- written my sermon, that service, to totally incorporate the worship team. Like, we're going to have worship, a word, worship. And I was like, in a, in a second, my sermon and my worship team are gone. And I'm like, the service starts in hours. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I pulled together an emergency meeting, my, my young adults team. And I'm like, guys, what do we do? Do we cancel the service? Do we, like, what do we do? And they're like, well, we got faith that God can do something big with this. You know, let's, let's just go ahead and have it. And I'm like, you guys got more faith than I do. Like, this is crazy. I mean, you, all, y'all should be the young old pastors. Um, and I'm like, all right, let's go ahead. Let's send it. Uh, let's have the service. And so, the, but the whole time I'm, I'm wondering, like, what if it doesn't work? Like, what if nobody comes? What if we have nothing to give them if they do come? What, what if they do come? Like, what if we got nothing to give them? What if God didn't show up? Like, all these what ifs, Right? And I know that a a lot of us are asking God that right now about our situation. Like, what if it doesn't work? What if I don't get better? What what if I can never afford it? Now, what if I have faith and you don't come through God? And that's a big question of an anxious heart. It says this in verse two, it says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside of his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And so the first application of that scripture is obvious. I mean, God is saying, my man, I'm doing, I've done miracles for you in the past. I've shown you my power in the past. You better believe I'm going to show you my miracles and my power again in the future in your situation, right? I mean, God is saying that so clearly. Uh, But the second thing about this, which I think is so interesting, is that God uses his staff, his hand, and water from the Nile, right? These three things God uses. And all of those things are within reach of Moses, like Moses can go and get those things They're items he owns or things that are near him. Right. And so God isn't saying to him for this to work, because that's the question we're asking. What if this doesn't work? God's not saying for this to work, you got to perform at this level. like You got to hit this bar up here or else it's not going to work. Right. Or God's God's not saying you got to grind this hard for this to work. Actually, everything that Moses needs is right within his reach. Right. So God has placed everything that you need for success within your reach. And if it is not within your reach, then it's not meant for you in this season. And I think that's a huge thing with anxiety is we, we have a lot of anxiety over things that are not meant for us in the season, things that we can't control right now. And we've got to stop worrying about those things. Like you, you can't control your kids when they go off to college, right? You just have to have faith that you raised them right and that they're gonna do the right thing and and let it go. I mean, you can't control if she's gonna text you back. She might not, right? But you you can't control that. You you can't control the future. And we all have this anxiousness about these things that we can't control. I remember I was talking to my friend and he was having stress because he said, and I quote, "Uh, I should be further along in life by now. And I laughed to myself when he told me that because he is younger than me but he already owns a house, right? And I'm like, from my perspective, you're actually way further along in life than I am, right? And, but that's the thing. I could, I could get anxious about that, too. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, these guys younger than me in my age, they all own houses, and, and man, I got to work harder. I got to make more money. I got to grind. I got to do more, be more, right? No, that's wrong. I mean, it's not meant for me in this season because it's, it's not within my reach. I mean, it would be great one day, but... That's for another season. And we can't stress about things that we can't control right now because, if, because God has put everything you need for success within your reach. And if it's not within your reach, then it's not meant for you in this season. And so we got to stop stressing about things that aren't ours right now. And like, I stress about my kids. I don't even have them. Like, like oh, my gosh, my kids are going to grow up in this crazy world. You know, I don't have kids. And I, we get anxious about all this kind of stuff. And all this, all this worry takes up mental space, and it doesn't leave room for peace. And so for our young adult service that night, we just took what we had within our reach, which is a sound system and big faith, right? And so I remember I show up, and I got my, my setup crew helping me set up chairs. And I'm like, hey, guys, uh, here's the deal. We got nothing. <laughs> like, we got nothing. And a couple guys were stacking chairs like, well, we can play some worship songs. I'm like, go, get your guitars, go. Like, set up some worship. I don't, I've never vetted you, but whatever it is, it'll be praise unto the Lord, right? And so I'm like, go. That's better than nothing, right? And then, so we, they, they actually had the most amazing worship. I mean, it was so spirit-filled, so amazing. And then, and the Lord just prompted me, he goes, just, you don't have a sermon, so why don't you just allow people to give praise onto me? I was like, oh, that's crazy. So I go, all right. The mic is open. Anyone who wants to come up, give thanks or a testimony, come on up. And that could totally flop in a service. I don't know if you know this. No one could come up, and it could just be a really awkward silent moment for like three minutes. So I just opened it up, and I'm like, Lord, I hope this works. And person after person after person came up. We're giving these crazy testimonies. We're giving all this praise to God. And to this day, that service, the one that we almost canceled, is still one of the most impactful and powerful service, young adult services we've ever had. I mean, just by taking what was within our reach and not stressing about it. I mean, I stressed about it, but I shouldn't have, right? (laughs) And God has put everything you need within your reach. And if it's not within your reach, then it's not yours for this season. So you got to let it go. And so then Moses says in verse 10, he says, he said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses' fourth statement is this. He goes, I'm not good enough. That's basically what he says. He goes, I, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. And I was kind of laughing when I read this because I'm like, Moses, who, like, who are you comparing yourself to? Like, you obviously have some standard in your mind on what you need, the qualifications you need to release people out of Egypt, right? I'm like, this has never been done before. Like, who are you comparing yourself to? Uh, And at its heart, this is a comparison statement, right? Because I'm not good enough. That's a comparison statement. And comparison will always lead to anxiety. Like, 99%, 9.9 times out of 10, it's going to lead to anxiety. And this friend that I was talking about who was stressed about not being able, not being further along in life, well, the reason he was saying that is because he's hanging out with these guys right now who are big money guys? They, they they're guys who are older and they own companies and they own their own dental practice, whatever the heck they do. And he's like, oh my gosh, like you guys are at this level and I should be at that level too. And he's comparing himself to these people, and that's what's causing the anxiety in him. And and if you, I mean, we think about this, we spend all day we scrolling on our phones, looking and like comparing. Oh my gosh, so and so, they're so in shape. Oh man, I I gotta get. I got to work out, man, I got to get better in shape. And boom, we're anxious, right? Just like that, anxious. And I'm I'm scrolling, like, oh my gosh, my friend Kevin, he's traveling the world and and he's so young and he's seeing all these things. I got to get out there, I'm going to miss my window. Boom, anxious, just like that, right? And we're comparing ourselves. Oh my gosh, Tanya, she's married and she's younger than me, boom, anxious, right? We're comparing the best parts of other people's lives to our very real, normal lives. And then we come to church on Sunday and expect that a 45-minute Jesus TED Talk is going to undo hours of negative neural pathways of comparing yourself to other people. And of course we're anxious, you know? And God has made you who you're supposed to be. And if you compare yourself to someone else, you're going to get anxious. And if you're experiencing a situation right now that's making you anxious, know that God has given you everything that you need in your season right now for success. I and mean, he says so in verse 11. This is the Lord's response to Moses. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and will teach you what to say. The Lord's saying, I got you. I've given you everything you need. Stop thinking about comparing yourself to other people or what they have. I've given you what you need. And everything you have now is going to be successful for you in the future. God's not saying you got this. He's not even saying that you're enough. He's saying, I got this. And I've given you everything. You can't fail. And this is, a, this is the perspective that we need to shift from. And, I, and albeit this is really hard, uh, is this perspective of me and us and, and my abilities. And it's turning into a faith perspective onto the Lord saying, okay, I don't, It's not about me, it's about you, God, and you've given me everything. I need to trust you in this. And that's really hard, honestly. I try to do that all the time. Almost every day I wake up and I have to try to do that. But at the end of all that, after all of God's reassurances, uh, all of his miracles that he showed Moses, Moses' final statement, it's hilarious. He goes, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. He's like, (laughs) no. At the end of it all, I was like, no, nope, not gonna happen. Not for me, no, right? I'm like, come on, Moses. Um, but you know, I get it. I, I get it actually. Like, I mean, I can stand up here and preach about all this stuff. Oh, people have faith, you know? But you're just like, bro, I'm sorry, pastor. Uh, anxiety and all those extra pounds I put on from Thanksgiving have one thing in common. You just can't pray that away, you know? And, I get it. It's hard. And so the Lord, uh, very understandably, he says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he says, and you can just imagine the Lord, he's up there it's like, Ugh. and he goes, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and you in it and as if you were God to him but take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it check this out it says and he will be glad to see you turn to the person next to you and say I'm glad to see you if you're dealing with anxiety that person you just said I'm glad to see you that's your Aaron God says look to your brother look to your sister They will help you. And thus, I'm going to foreshadow my church, right? He says, if you're dealing with anxiety, embrace your people. I mean, bring them in. This is the church of God. This is the church that God had meant it to be. And we're glad for it. We're glad to help you. We're glad to walk with you. We're glad to step in there with you. And maybe your metaphorical Aaron is a professional counselor. And as much as we believe that God can bring healing to any sort of anxiety or depression or anything like that. We also believe that God has given people gifts uh, to help us with that, to help us walk walk in healing and through that, you know? And so that could be your Aaron. But God's saying, bring someone in. Bring someone in. Walk with someone. God gives Moses Aaron, and you have an Aaron right next to you. And the crazy thing is, you notice Moses, he isn't off the hook. Right? God's not like, I'm going to send Aaron instead. He goes, no, bring Aaron in. But Moses, you still got to go. Like, I've made you for such a time as this. I've given you everything that you need. You still have to do the thing that you're anxious to do or face that situation that you're anxious about. But know that God has given you your mouth. He's given you your abilities. He's given you everything that is within your reach for success, right? And so if you're anxious about something, I want to tell you, you were meant for this. There's purpose and inheritance in this thing. God made you for such a time as this, and it's not an if, it's a when. But I also want to tell you, you were never meant for this alone. Why don't we all stand?